Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. Let's start this week with the big stuff, China data. We've recently had the big August data dump and with the credit impulse picking up again and unemployment, at least reportedly now trending lower, China might be past the worst in terms of the short-term data cycle. However, that property market overhang refuses to go away and there's renewed fears on the wider asset exposure from potential bond defaults and also from local governments still hamstrung by high debt and poor revenues. The deflationary trend is now reversing though, so wider economic risk is easing, but we still expect it to take some time to take confidence back at the sharp end of the economy, most notably middle-income consumers and private sector businesses. With this, I see a slow and unsteady economic uptrend over the coming months, led by the state-owned service sector, which is not one high in metals intensity. So this points to stability rather than an upside metals demand surprise. What were the most positive data points? Uh, A 3.9% year-on-year rise in electricity consumption despite residential usage falling 10% over a lockdown base. That shows activity is taking place in the industrial economy. Another record month for EV sales at 10 million units annualised. And the rate of job creation with the cash-in PMI was the highest since March 2010. To us, this sounds a bit like a result of mandated hiring rather than something economically led but it should still help overall consumption metrics. What were the most negative data points? I'm tempted just to say property. In August, declines of the year were seen in floor space new starts, real estate investment, home sales by value, home sales by floor space, all down roughly 20% year on year. In addition, bond issuance outside of local governments came in at just 10 billion RMB. That's indicative of pretty weak private sector funding activity. One last point to note on the China data, refined commodity output remains extremely strong. August saw oil refinery runs hit a record, steel output is defying expectations of cuts for now, while primary copper and aluminium output running well up year on year. With this, China's apparent demand of commodities remains super strong, undeniably helped by some strategic, though not necessarily SRB purchases, and a lack of competition from ex-China for units. China's commodity imports in the month also rebounded. Iron ore, strongest since October 2020, and copper concentrate the highest on record. So despite all the economic woes that China supposedly has, China's influence on major commodity markets has grown again this year. So we have a United Auto Workers strike in North America, and while the regional auto industry may not be the global behemoth it once was, it is still important for commodity markets from a headline perspective, if nothing else. Uh, while the strike's relatively small scale for now, on the balance of risk escalation seems pretty probable at the moment. And naturally, that's led to questions of what this might mean for metals demand and prices, uh, most notably for steel and aluminium, or sorry, aluminium. Um, with such uncertainty, buyers, you'd expect to naturally purchase only on an as-needed basis. So what are we looking at? Well, my colleague Katja Jancic has looked at this and we do have some historical reference. According to General Motors, our GM, a 40-day strike during the last round of negotiations in 2019 
led to an estimated production loss of 300,000 vehicles. And as a reference, spot HRC prices decreased nearly 22% to roughly $470 a short ton between August and October of that year when the strike officially ended. And then we saw them gradually recover to over $600 per short ton by mid-January 2020. So let's run some scenarios. If we had a 30-day strike impacting all OEMs, so broader than that seen currently, but something the union certainly has the funds to cover for now, the potential impact of steel demand would be around 500 to 550,000 tonnes. So that implies about a 5 to 6% reduction to total apparent monthly demand by our estimate. This could easily see spot hot oil coil prices decreasing further, and that's after a 7% drop over the past month. And that important psychological level of $600 per short ton is very much in play. For aluminium, well, I wouldn't expect too much impact on the LME price. Remember, that is set by the global market. But you would expect the Midwest premium to drop by perhaps as much as 20% to discourage imports. So there's a clear headwind, but this is naturally a very fluid situation. And now that I've recorded this, Murphy's Law would say there's probably going to be a resolution before this podcast is actually published. Meanwhile, we do expect any loss in auto bills this year will be recouped in 2024. So the hope for metals producers, though, would be that the resolution comes before the annual contract price negotiations kick off later this year. If you'd asked me about Indian metals demand a year ago when we had a strong dollar and surging inflationary pressures, I'd have struck a note of caution. India is, of course, a very large energy importer at a time when global prices were surging, and at that point the country had a significant current account deficit issue, hardly the best setup for growth. However, India's actually been the strongest of the major economies in metals demand growth this year, and we've got some potential for double-digit percentage gains in some areas. Government policy and the reduction of red tape has helped, as has the power industry being much more resilient than expected, and as has access to cheaper-than-market Russian oil. In general terms, however, India is fast becoming a major beneficiary of the push to reduce reliance on China in certain value chains. As an example, this week, iPhone manufacturer Foxconn announced plans to double its investment in India. To be clear, India is still very small relative to China in terms of overall absolute demand and will never be an industrial powerhouse of its time in the same way that China or Japan or Korea were. However, India is now the world's second largest steel consumer, second largest coal importer, having recently overtaken Japan in both areas. While the path may not be smooth, for now, India is undeniably set to be a positive delta on demand over the coming decade, particularly in commodities such as Metco, where the domestic asset base is limited. While we're talking Metco, this week I've had a lot of incoming on the jump in the spot price to around $320 a tonne FOB Australia. That's a pretty good price, particularly when global steel isn't exactly booming. Why? Well, it's worth remembering that the spot market in Met Coal is extremely illiquid and prices can move an awful lot on one transaction. But even so, $40 a tonne is a decent jump in one week. Certainly, the news of logistics suspensions at the key 8 million tonne per annum peak downs mine following truck slides was the key catalyst. Might be a temporary issue, but the lack of experience of the truck operators involved in those mishaps does point to the wider industry labour shortages at present. Cynics might also note that a company in the advanced stages of selling other Metcoal assets might not be too concerned 
by near-term disruptions to operations if these help the wider market price. But even before the recent problems, however, Australian exports have been running about 40 million tonnes annualised below June levels, at a time when Indian steel demand is looking robust. We view Metco as an Asia ex-China commodity. That's where the spot buyers are. And it's also worth remembering that given the relatively sensitive nature of coke ovens to coal blends, buyers are willing to pay up for particular coal qualities and brands to ensure optimal operation. It's hard to see prices maintaining current levels, but given spot prices nicely feed into contracts, the average selling price for Metco producers may exceed expectations in the fourth quarter. And with safety checks underway in China as well, there's a good reason to think both Met and thermal prices might be more robust than anticipated over the coming months. Thank you for listening to Metal Matters. And with LME Week just over two weeks away now, the annual BMO LME Research Seminar is drawing closer. I have a couple of wonderful guest speakers lined up for this year to supplement our own views. And if you'd like to join the event, please do just let me know. And join me again in a couple of weeks for that all-important LME Week preview. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research in Tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at colin.hamilton.com at bimo.com To access our full disclosures please visit researchglobalzero.bimocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public hyphen disclosure